This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature-regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But More than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful, and it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 288. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we sign up for those 400 million free N95 masks. I'm your host, Nikki Farsad, and yes, they just announced sending masks to your home, and I also just ordered my free antigen test, so I'll compliment the wheels of government when they're actually turning. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the parts of the wheel that need a little bit more WD-40, though. Uh, We'll also talk about some new legislation on fashion, how colleges are moving forward with COVID, and um, that one really shitty question you get on job interviews. Uh, I am so excited by today's panel. So joining us for the very first time, he's a sportscaster, he's a producer. In fact, he just put out this beautiful new coffee table book called Afro Surf about surfing on uh, the continent of Africa. Um, it is the one and only Salema Masakela. Hey, Salema. Hey, thank you very, very much for, for having me. And I would like you to introduce me just generally speaking in life. Like when I walk into the market. <laughs> like when I walk into the market later today, like... You could just come through with a trumpet and let everyone know I'm there. No, I'm available for that service. Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll talk pricing and options later. Um, Returning to the show, he is an alumni of Fake the Nation. I get emails from people saying, oh, you should have this guy on. Uh, when they don't realize that I have already had this guy on. I am on it, folks. He is um, a comedian. He's He has a weekly newsletter uh, that you can go to. It's at CoreyWritesForYou.com. That's CoreyWritesForYou.com. And it is fantastic. And he is fantastic and so hilarious. It is the one and only Corey Ryan Forrester. Hey, Corey. Hello. How is everybody? I, too, would like to have you introduce me because this that's the only time I've ever been called an alumni in my life. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, I do not fit that bill. But yes, thank you so much. I'm glad to be back uh, where uh, on Fake the Nation, where I fake my way through knowing what the hell is going on. 
<laughs> and you do it so convincingly. Thank you. <laughs> um, before we get into it, I just want to remind listeners uh, that you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad, where you get bonus episodes of Fake the Nation, where you get bonus essays, you get t-shirts, you get mugs, there's all sorts of freebies. Um, for as little as $1 a month, you just support the show and feel good about yourself. For as little as $4 a month, you start getting free shit. Uh, and $4 is like, uh, I know that many of you have spent that on a fancy coffee. So one fancy coffee a month's worth of supporting Fake the Nation. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And let's just jump right in with topic number one. So today, as we tape, Senate Democrats are moving forward with a vote on changing the filibuster when it comes to voting rights issues. Um, Chuck Schumer doesn't actually have the votes to make it happen, but he's doing it anyway. Um, there's a couple of voting rate bills that um, Democrats are really gunning for. Now there's also some bipartisan ones. I have to be honest, the whole situation is rather confusing. Um, but in general, we know that whatever they do today, and that we're taping here on a Wednesday, uh, is probably not going to work, right? So this is baked into it. Um, Corey, what do you think of this strategy of, uh, of getting something in the books anyway that will fail? Uh, I mean, it, again, it's just it, it seems like this is constantly the case. Like every time I read something, it's always like, oh, Democrats propose this and this is what we want. But they may end up having to compromise and do this, this, this. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about par for the course. Democrats compromising. We're the only ones that ever do that. We're the only ones that ever have to do that. And I want to be like, it's so hard to be a leftist and also a pragmatist. They They kind of just they bump up against each other because like. You like the pragmatist in me is like, yes, of course, compromise. That's the only way we can ever get things yeah. done. And when I look at other times when it's like I wanted to be an extremist, it's like, dude, vote third party because that's the only way that we're ever going to get anything right in this country. And the only way is to vote third party. That way they're on more ballots. But then you look at it and you go, right, but then I'm handing Trump a vote. So I can't do that. So like I'm constantly in a state of flux on like my pragmatism and my leftism. And on this one, I, I genuinely, I got nothing. I got, I, got, I got nothing. It just seems like, yeah, we're going to lose this again. There's no Republican that's ever going to want any type of uh, a, a new voting act to go through because they love it the way they have it. They love how the gerrymandering set up. They love the filibuster. So what compromises is, is it going to be? I don't. It's just going to be a bunch of Democrats that are kind of already Republicans to begin with going, sure, let's just do this. And now I look good for my base. I don't know. I mean, Salema, do you think it helps for for it to be a clear and official record that, you know, for example, that Republicans are against certain voting rights um, expansions, for example, who said it today? I, I wrote it down. I have to. It was Senator um, John Thune of South Dakota who who just started out one of his speeches with like, look, I'm not a ra- I am not a racist. And it's like, well, if you have to say that, it's yeah, tough al- al- already. So what do you think of like people going on the record in this way? I think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like going to a children's recital. And pretending right. like it's like a real show, be like, "Oh, that's cute. You're all real. You're all dancers." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's also maybe maybe twenty years ago, the reverberation of the thing taking place actually could have reached ears, and people would have discussion about it and be like, "Oh, well, those those blatant him- hypocrites." But um, nobody cares. No one's watching, and the Republicans know that. Which is why, like, they just keep bullshitting their way all the way through. You know, to be able to have the gall, the caucasity to open up your your opening (laughs) statement with, first of all, I, from the great state of South Dakota, am not, and I repeat, am not a racist. Uh, Tells (laughs) me that, (laughs) tells me all of the racists that you, uh, that you really are and all of the racism that you're okay with. And to me, this whole thing is about like they they love to clutch pearls and be like, but we're not racist. But also like we like white supremacy and the construct of what it is just as is. And as we see the demographics moving towards more black and browns um, and other hues that are blended from all of your intermixing, we're going to lose control. So we just have to keep things as is. Everyone shut up and leave us alone. And the Senate doesn't work. It just doesn't 
like you know, like Corey said, it is set up specifically uh, for extremism, and it doesn't work. And no one, no one fucking cares. That's the sad yeah. part. Well, and right now, I mean, not only does no one fucking care, but also like we we do just happen to be dealing with the COVID thing right now too, which overshadows everything. Like the average American, whatever that means when a when a politician says the average American, they aren't. Like, first off, the average American thinks the voting system is totally fine. And when those people say that they're not racist, something that I've learned in the past five and six years that I didn't realize I was guilty of was um, the word racist doesn't always mean I have hate in my heart for another race of people. And I think that because those people haven't had that realization, they, they think about their racism. And they go, but I do not hate black people. And it's like, I hear you, but these, you have to understand that it's a systemic problem and the system is set up against them. You having a best friend that's black, you can still support these systems and until your eyes are open to the fact that this is what's going on, it's never going to work. So, like, I believe that the dude in South Dakota who stood up and says, I'm not a racist, probably genuinely is like, but you don't understand. I genuinely, it's fine. But, like, yeah, I don't know. And right now, no one I, gives a shit about it. And, and everyone, okay, but the I, average I wanna, voter has... I want to I wanna say, just as a, a note of of hopefulness here that there are at least well from what i understand i think two other groups of bipartisan senators who are actually looking at other uh voting rights bills uh and and those groups include people like Susan Collins, Kirsten Cinema, Joe Manchin, Mitt Romney, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, John Wicker of Mississippi, Joni Ernst of Iowa. There are some elements that these uh, centrist and right-leaning people are are starting to work on together. Measures that are aimed at preventing um, uh, interference in election administration, barring the removal of nonpartisan elected officials without cause, and creating federal penalties for the harassment or intimidation of elected officials, uh, election officials. And so there are some things in the work, like it, it, the what we what we know. Uh, the bill that we we're hoping for may not be the one we get. And I know, and Corey, I mean, being a Democrat means you're compromising a lot. It means it means you're the Nagin of the Farsad family, basically. <laughs> I am always the one compromising, and I know yeah. that it's extremely exhausting. Yeah. Um, but it has, uh, it, and, and it can lead to some shit. So I don't want to pretend like other things aren't going on and that there aren't senators that are actually, like, trying. That said, the Senate is fucking, I've always said, it's it's a ridiculous institution that's built um, that, that that's not democratic. So anyways, there's also that problem. But also, like, the mere fact that a group of people got together and said, you know what, I think everything's good here, the racism's gone, we're done with the Voting Rights Act. Right. Kumbaya, my lord. Mm -hmm. Kumbaya. Like, that's how we got here in the first place. Yeah, with some 2013. Really, 2013, yeah. some really shrewd white people being like, hey, let's pretend like we won and this shit is over. And then we could be as quietly racist as we need to be in order to keep things the way it they was need really, to be. It was really easy to, like, have the Supreme Court make that decision in 2013 and for everyone to be like... Well, it's okay. Obama's president and Beyonce has a new album, so it's fine. It was a good you know year. what I mean? It's it was <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like it was it was a, it was a, it also a perfectly good time to do it, like because a lot of people were just lulled into a feeling of okayness. I think, except for black um, people, we knew what the fuck was going right, on. We right, were like, right, oh right. shit, they're trying yeah. to convince us that it's over because we've had like some brief black success. Like a president, like literally, white people were like, "It's all over. You guys won." Now, Salema, you may you may not know this, but but Corey, you'll you may remember that uh, in on Fake the Nation, um, we're only doing optimism is our <laughs> mantra. Oh, that's my and fault. So I'll leave. See y'all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Namaste. Hold on. No, no, Let me no, find no. my center is, and sit in my higher self. This is what I, I, I like to do. This is what I like to do is start out with all of the op, uh, awful stuff and then end a segment with 
with some hope. And I want to point out that this is where federalism has its advantages, because at the state level, you can do shit, right? And New York City just gave 800,000 non-citizen legal residents the right to vote. And if we can do it, you can do it. What are you doing at the local level? My, my folks in Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Texas, Pennsylvania, Florida, and Wisconsin, where they are trying to um, restrict voting access, what are you guys doing? How involved are you in your council races, in your um, gubernatorial races, in your state senate and state assembly person races? T- talk to me. Where are you at? And uh, do you have some hopeful note to add? By the way, Corey, you mentioned third parties. I mean, I, I my first kind of awakening to third parties was when I went to I went to Cornell for undergrad in upstate New York. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It is an Ivy League <laughs> school, but we don't have to talk about it, guys. It's a fact. A flex. Um, <laughs> but Ithaca had had. I think at some point um, had a, a socialist mayor. I think there were there were independent um, congressional people um, from that district, and I was like, "Oh, so so third parties can win." They just have to focus on smaller races. Yes, a vote for a third party at the presidential level will hand over a race to Trump. But no, that's not necessarily the case at a local race, right? That's true. So, so, so there's hope for if you're a green, you know, if Greenpeace is your jam, like why aren't you why aren't you putting all your effort on it on the on a local race? Well, I agree that local is you know it's one of the more important things that you can vote on because that's when things that's where things actually get done. You know, you keep going. And higher up and it's like well this person's just a figurehead for the pill companies anyways but like at least this dude like represents this section but then i get i'm gonna try to stay optimistic but then i i look at <laughs> where I, my, the district that i'm from which is marjorie taylor green's district and i see how tough gerrymandered it is one. it's a very tough one i see how gerrymandered it is and then i look on like a state level where it's like look man you know because georgia gets it's crapped on a lot and i i get it but it's like dude you know we did, um, uh, we did flip blue. You know, we did change the game in, in the election. So I know where, which goes to show me that like all these little tiny red pockets, it's like because of gerrymandering, that is the thing that is a thing. And I, I look at my, I look at where I'm from and I don't know what it's going to take. And and I know that people around here scream about like, what we need is we don't, we need a, uh, not a Democrat or Republican. We need a third party. And I'm like, I hear you. It's just that a lot of these bipartisan people, what bipartisan often means to me is when you've got like a, a moderate Republican, a moderate Democrat uh, is basically just a Republican who wants to smoke weed or a Democrat who hates taxes. You know what I'm saying? So like they, that's really what that is. Like that's what a libertarian is to me. It's just a Republican that wants to smoke weed. So, like, I don't know. It's just it's super disheartening. But I am optimistic that Mm -hmm, it will continue Mm -hmm. to be this way. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, um, we are going to move on. But before we do, I want to reintroduce what we were doing in 2020, which is races to watch, uh, which sounds like I'm saying racists to watch. (laughs) Right. And that is. Uh, something that I have to clarify every time. And one might say, hey, Nagin, change the name of the segment. I'm not going to change it. We are all just going to wonder what I'm saying every time. Uh, thank you to Dan in Texas, who uh, mentioned, wanted, wanted us to know that in the ninth district in Texas, which I think I think includes uh, Fort, um, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, Gwen Barood is running. So look up Gwen Barood, B-U-R-U-D, um, running for state Senate. Uh, she looks like she's running on a post in the primary right now. Um, and, and Dan mentioned I met her when she ran in 2018 for the same seat, and she's good people. Uh, another perk of getting involved in a local race, you meet the candidate and maybe spend some time with them so they can actually know what your issues slash concerns are. Um, and that's absolutely true. I feel like you have so much unfair access to candidates uh, when you get in early. Uh, so thank you, Dan, in Texas. Uh, look at Gwen Barood running in District 9. I guess, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not endorsing these people. I don't know them. I haven't done the research. But I'm letting you know that they exist so that you can look them up if you're voting in Texas. Um, that might be of help. And let me know what are the races, racists, <laughs> kidding, what are the races in your state that you want us to um, keep uh, in mind? Let us know. I will... Uh, then broadcast them to the people of Fake the Nation. They are all over the country and world, oddly. I think the ones uh, around the world, I hope, vote uh, absentee ballot. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will move on to the next segment. 
This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. (sighs) That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. back and we're ready for topic number two. So the state of New York just introduced the United States first sustainability act targeting the fashion industry. It's called the Fashion Sustainability and Social Accountability Act or the Fashion Act, which I like. Um, And if passed, it would make New York the first state in the country to hold fashion brands accountable for their 2.1 billion metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions. That's actually 4% of the global total. Um, So I don't know. Salema, what do you think of this, uh, this bill that's being introduced in the state of New York. I think it's uh, I don't know how much teeth it'll have, but it it's a push in the right direction. I personally think that brands uh, should be held accountable to to make what they sell as opposed to just make as much as possible and then figure out ways uh, to offload it, etc. and clog up the system. I mean, what just what what happens with with clothing di- the dying of clothing alone and and what it does to our waterways is uh, is insanity not to mention um i mean i'm diverting a bit from climate but the manufacturing uh and the abuse that takes fa- uh, takes place overseas at a manufacturing level that some of the biggest companies continue to get away with but um it's a the industry is, is is nimble and always figures out how to dodge uh, these 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 type of rules. But I like the spirit. I'm trying to uh, embody, uh, as you said, uh, the, the the optimist. So, um, well, I, I and I have to say that labor practices are a part of this particular bill um and and what they you know they want basically for businesses to map a minimum of 50 percent of their supply chain um through farms factories and shipping and disclose and reduce what they're uh what where they're making the most troubling environmental impact that it the bill includes fair wages energy and greenhouse gas emissions um and companies have 12 months to comply with the state's new regulations before facing fines. And then the New York Attorney General would also publish an annual list of companies that were found in violation of the legislation. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've long said, you know, listeners know my position on, you know, various forms of online shopping um, and my commitment to, to shopping local, um, that things are not actually as cheap as you are paying 
when you factor in the environmental cost. Uh, so that environmental cost for, for, you know, that I talk about a lot is just like the shipping aspect. Um, but obviously there's the manufacturing aspect. We're not paying, your $5 shirt does not cost $5 when you think, uh, when you factor in how much it's bruising the planet. Corey, what did you think of this legislation? Yeah, I mean, as much as the fashion industry takes on climate change sounds like an Onion article that my dad would write to show how stupid <laughs> liberals sound, <laughs> I am, as Selma said, in favor of anything in the right direction because like, this is places that you have to start. And this is also an industry in which <clears throat> you're probably going to get a little bit more support than in the, let's say, auto industry. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Where like, we we know what time it is as far as like gas guzzling trucks go. You start saying like, hey, look, you know, we got to take these away for the environment. You got dudes with my accent screaming at the, you know, howling at the moon about it. No, my, my rights, my truck, my blah, 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 blah. But I bet they'll let the uh, hippies uh, buy a different pair of jeans. You know what I mean? I think they'll be like, sure, whatever. And, and it is a step in the right direction. And anything we can do to help our carbon footprint is better than nothing because, frankly, you know, it is the middle of January. I live in uh, Chickamauga, Georgia, and I'm walking around in a pair of shorts this morning. You know what I mean? Like, like we got it. I mean, I don't know if the damage is already done, but yeah, again, it's one of those where like I want to make fun of it, but hell. It ain't any, that funny. Little, any little thing. <laughs> any little, any little thing. Yeah. You know, and I and I have to say, like, so a friend of mine, I, I, I'm not sure if this is the exact title. She was something like a corporate social responsibility auditor. Um, and so major corporations would sign on to this thing um, that was basically like a promise that they wouldn't be shitty. And then the and auditors from this company, one of my friend included, would go to like the factories in China and, and uh, Malaysia and would audit these companies and um, see if they are meeting the promise. Uh, and they paid. Of not being shitty? Of not being <laughs> shitty. And I think it was mostly on labor practices, this, yeah. this thing. So, and, and, you know, and these are big brands like Macy's, you know what I mean? These are big brands were involved in this. Um, so that the idea of like the labor standards that we have in the United States and some of the, you know, um, and, and just humane practices that they agree to are actually being met in these other countries. Uh, there are ways of doing this. And there are some of these companies that have self-selected to actually be audited already um so the idea is can the peer pressure in fashion which i, which I think you're totally right Salema. it's like it is the kind of business that is more or did you say it Corey? i don't know i'm going to give credit to both of you for that one we probably both um, touched that's on one it. point for each uh, <laughs> but you know there's fashion is one of those industries where it's like people are into it you know and it's what's trendy environmentalism is trendy that was let me, let me make a point real quick, if I <laughs> yeah. may, that is truly optimistic, that I think kind of fits the bill here. I remember yes. when, when Nike, uh, it, not that long ago, like, you know, this is obviously post-NFL Colin Kaepernick, started doing Colin Kaepernick commercials, and a bunch of people said, oh, look at Nike just trying to cash in on wokeness. They don't really care about Colin Kaepernick. They only care about the publicity. And I said, you are correct, but let's think about that for a second. This is a company that absolutely only cares about the profit. And they saw a situation happen and they thought to themselves, ooh, it's best if we side with this. Whereas old Nike would have been like, it's best if we don't say anything about this, which mm. means they believe that the populace is trending in more yes. of that favor. So Correct. if companies like Macy's think that it's actually, they're only doing something if they think it's financially beneficial. And if they think, well, hey, it makes us look good to be environmentally friendly, even if they're only doing it to line their pockets, it's a step in the right direction for other people, for, for companies to think, oh my God, I think the world really wants these things. How can we charge them for it? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean? it's, 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 capitalism it's, okay. Work. It's, it's okay for me if they think that, um, that you know, uh, equity and responsive and, and environmental responsibility is just um, is is you know is a profitable yeah yeah goal. they're only Great. into it for profits like I'm so okay with that yeah. like let's ha let's have that be a thing you know for sure um, I mean Patagonia has been making it work for 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 years and years and years and years they might absolutely. not be the, the sexiest version of it. Uh, but they're doing it, and it, it's it's highly doable. And it's funny that you said that, uh, Nagin, because I, I think 
it's the same thing with with fashion companies and doing the, the diversity and inclusion work. I'm just like, yeah, I know all these brands are, are suddenly just doing this because they don't want to lose money. And I'm OK with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah it's, and, it's and, awesome. and we can't really expect business, business with a capital B, to have any other motivation than profit, right? Like, let's see how, how um, you know, fairness aligns with profit and, like, push that at the very least. Um, okay, let us move on to topic number three. Uh, so some universities are making a shift from containment of COVID to management of COVID to thinking of it more in endemic terms, like it's something that we live with. Um, what do you, I mean, I, I can mention a, a couple of uh, things that people are doing, like, for example, the University of Wyoming is abandoning mass testing. Um, Harvard is instituting what it calls an isolate in place policy, where like if a student tests positive, you know, they would just stay in their dorm rooms, even if they have roommates. I guess there's a lot of questions around that. Um, the university, the West Virginia University announced that, that it was no longer going to report testing um, quarantine and isolation data for the spring 2022 semester. Um, instead, it's going to continue to really uh, emphasize its numbers on vaccination, which is really high, 92% of faculty and 82% of students. So what did you, what do you think of universities kind of making this shift? I ain't surprised. Um, I think we've <laughs> reached, I've, I think we've reached the ain't no way this genie's getting back in the bottle. Boom. Point of uh, the discussion. What are we at? Eight hundred thousand new cases a day, or some shit. Um, and does that does that even does that even mean anything? Like the case numbers. I think even Fauci was just like, we don't, we shouldn't look at the case numbers so much anymore. And I think it because it's like the number is so crazy. It's you know, yeah. it feels like <laughs> at this point, what are we exactly talking about? You yeah. know, I. I, I it doesn't surprise me. I think it makes sense. I think the world already decided. I'm watching people watch sporting events gathered by the, the the thousands and thousands and thousands every weekend. Like we're America chose to be like fuck COVID, and then COVID was like, oh really? Fuck you! And yeah. now we have to live with each other. Is un, un uh, wait, so I'm a, uh, now fake the nation listeners know that I'm. An extreme expert on all sorts of sports. Uh, so uh, forgive me for asking, as I just didn't watch any this weekend, which is so unusual for me. But um, what what sports are you watching that you're so you're seeing like thousands and thousands of people at stadiums? Yeah. doing some sort of a sport. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean the, the like for the, what are we talking? The football? NFL playoffs this weekend looked like oh, it was you. 2017. When nice. my Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship, baby. Mm. Go dogs! Woo! Um, it was pretty <laughs> packed. <you> yeah. Know. <laughs> um, I also do not endorse that moment of propaganda that had just happened <laughs> from Corey Ryan Forrester about some sort of team. Okay, I don't endorse that. Uh, so Corey, what do you think of universities making this adjustment? I mean, I feel the same way. Uh, as Salima said, I mean, like, you know, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. And look, man, you know... Uh, we as America, we tried our best. We tried our best. And un unfortunately, did we? Un unfortunately, us trying our best looks like a bunch of toddlers finger painting with their own diarrhea. But yes, we still did try. I mean, all I'm saying is at the beginning, when we all, well, not we all, but like we tried isolating in place. It's some of us are like, look, if you just stay in your house a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, a little bit longer, we'll have this thing figured out. And they couldn't do that. And then it was, OK, just get the vaccine. Just get the vaccine. And they couldn't do that. And at this point, I, although it, that again, not just to point out a lot of them did do yeah, that, which is why right. our 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 mortality numbers from yeah, Omicron are right. much lower than they could have been, which is okay. great, which is great. And yeah. like, I'm not a I'm not a disease doctor at all but it, it does seem like with this strain if you are vaccinated you got a real good shot you know yeah. so yeah. and it does seem like if you're not vaccinated you don't have a good shot so it's yeah so but my point is um i don't know what else we're going to do we do not live we do not live in a society that has ubi we do not have live in a society that has anything set up in place for this happening because the uh, last administration stripped those uh, systems. So if we had those things, I'd be well, we wouldn't even be having this goddamn conversation if we had those things. But we don't have those things. And yeah, at this point, I do think you just have to be like, look, man, it's going to keep mutating. Get the vaccine. 
do your best to not gather if you can. But I, I don't know, man. Like like Slim said, Amer- America just uh, America was America, and they're going to keep being America. And now you can't. T- after now that everybody's gone back to being normal they're not going back it's just not happening so let me talk about an adjacent i know that was a lot of word vomit and i'm sorry i sounded stupid i'm just frustrated <laughs> with the whole thing no, no I, I feel like uh, you, you've astute. introduced a new term to the lexicon which is disease doctor um <laughs> i appreciate that a lot uh so let's let's talk about an adjacent issue which is the phenomenon of covid dick um mm. i just read about this recently it is very uncommon so before anyone gets into a panic about their peen don't get into a panic. It is very uncommon. However, it is it does exist. It's basically sexual dysfunction as a result of COVID. Um, a study this past November found that men with COVID-19 were about three times as likely to develop a new case of uh, erectile dysfunction than those who didn't catch COVID. Um, and in some cases, it could lead to um, some shrinkage. Uh, have you heard of COVID-19? And uh, and is are you schwitzing as I talk about this? this hmm. well i bought a shitload of cialis stock uh there you after go. I read, read this article i was like well let me just let me get in on the benefits <laughs> package um yeah i mean i think it was it was a much larger conversation during delta i mean basically everyone thinks that covid is just like a, a lung disease but it's 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 renal it likes to play in in and around your your heart and blood vessels so if it makes it down to the vessels of that region yeah uh, uh, being in your, your 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 penal region, then it's going to have an effect. <laughs> penal region, that's amazing. Penal penal region, <laughs> disease doctor. There's a lot going on in this show. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I just don't, I don't, I I I think also like if you're between the ages of like eighteen and twenty eight, and someone tells you that like you could catch this thing that's going to mess with your dick, you're probably going to be like, not my dick. Let's mm-hmm. go to the bar. Um, mm-hmm. that's just like. Okay, so this is my question for you. I felt like, how is COVID dick not a huge marketing ploy for vaccines? Like, hey, this could get your dick. Uh, What do you mean? Oh, my God, let me get a vaccine. So even if I do get a breakthrough infection, it's not that bad and it won't get my dick. Obviously, again, I'm also not a disease doctor, so I I don't know how accurate that marketing would be. But I'm just saying, informally, it among, should be. It, like I feel like COVID dick should be a huge part of like getting more men yeah, to get I mean, vaccinated. This yeah, is I your mean, dick. Most of the most of the dudes that I know who are like this is your dick on COVID. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many people that like treated treated death as the only as the only like. Here's here's how they looked at COVID. They would see somebody in their family who didn't get vaccinated, and then they got COVID, and then they would watch this person uh, be deathly sick, not be able to get out of bed for a couple of days, and then be taken to the hospital, put on a ventilator, fight for their life for several mm-hmm. days, and then, but ultimately live, and they would see all that and go, see? See, it ain't that bad. <laughs> and because they're like, they didn't die. Because they didn't die, as long as there's no death, then what are we even factoring in here? So I don't know. Like, some of them don't. Maybe the dick will help. Like, maybe they do value their dick more than they do the human life. But, yeah, I would I would definitely put that at the forefront of all advertising. If I was Fauci, I would say nothing but that. So, because, I mean, I, I can tell you this. That would work on 18 to 24-year-old me. Like, old me, it's like, eh, whatever, I could use a break. But, but young me, <laughs> young me would have been like, uh-uh, not my dick, like Salama said. So, yeah. yeah. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So anyway, like, let there be an informal whisper network of marketing around COVID dick to get your unvaccinated um, young dudes uh, vaccinated. Uh, Let that fear work on them. I just saw the ad. It's like one side is like, is it like one of those slow motion waving American flags? Oh, yeah. And it just pops up. Yeah. Freedom. And then on the other side is like a hot uh, person that you're attracted to. And then a question mark, your dick. <laughs> <laughs> I know several it. people that be like, I'd rather fuck that flag right there, buddy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> ain't, no, hey, ain't nothing gets my dick harder than the stars and stripes. <laughs> 
You got COVID dick, put on some Lee Greenwood and stand at attention. I'll tell you right now. You'll be a kickstand in no time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, tell me uh, what does your ad look like? Um, we're taking ad copy here on Fake the Nation. Uh, let us move on to topic number four. Um, so job interviews are the most heinous there, there's always that moment in the process where you're asked how much you think you should be paid. Um, and if you're like me, that moment's full of anxiety. I talk myself into and out of so many different answers that by the end, I'm like, I'll just do it for free. I'll just work. Or no, you know what? I will pay you. I will take the job and I will pay you <laughs> for the honor. Like, I find this this moment to be so um, harried and, and, and just, um, you know, panic-inducing. Uh, have you dealt with it? How have you handled it in your lives? And then we'll get into some more of the nitty gritty. I have an agent. <laughs> well, right. So I think so. I, maybe for the three of us right now, no. we are we've got agents and managers, and it's not exact yeah. like. But in the days when you may, yeah. when you maybe did have to answer that question oh, in, a, in a traditional job interview, or I, I used to work at Bank of America. I was a I was a bank teller uh, at at the mighty Bank of America, and I remember when they wanted to upgrade me from being teller to working in new accounts, which you got to sit at the desk and look mm-hmm. at your peon friends behind the counter counting money like you'll never get on this level. And um, they wanted to give me an extra dollar fifty to go and sit at the desk. But it also had to, I had to work like an extra dollar fifty an hour, and that, but I had to work like 15 hours more and all this other shit. And I stopped and I waited and I was like, yeah, I think I should be getting like seven or eight dollars an hour more. And they told me I was crazy. And I remained a teller. And it was the greatest choice that I ever made for myself. Um, so I think I was just so, I was so into like, I could, I could see the ruse at jobs that I never really had a problem saying what my, what my worth was just because I knew that if they didn't accept it, that I didn't really need to be there. Um, and because of that, I had way too many jobs before I found a career. Corey? Yeah, I'm the worst person to talk about this because uh, so I always I worked a bunch of odd jobs, but I've but I started doing stand up at 16, and I, so oh, yeah. of course I would that didn't mean I was making money as a stand up. I had to do a bunch of odd jobs, but like these are all like you know retail jobs and yada yada yada. And so the interview was basically like, uh, oh, we we see that you're friends with our buddy Jared who works here, and I'll be like, yeah, and they'd be like, all right, cool, and you start tomorrow, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, my worth i didn't know i didn't know man now looking back i, I think about it now it's like the the minimum wage is like 725 or something is that right close yeah well i look at it and it then the when federal i was minimum wage yeah, when i, I was so. when i was younger it was just beat into your brain your whole life that like hey this is an entry-level job you're not supposed to make a lot of money and like minimum wage and so like i'd never thought of it any, any different way and then like luckily I, I have found success in stand-up and i never had to go through any ad again but the other day i saw the a sign that said something about the minimum wage being 725 and then i went to um, I was a, at a Shake Shack and I was about to get one of the meals and the meal was like $8.15 and the two things clicked with me and I was like, that meal is worth more than a human being, an hour of a human being's life. When you look at it in those terms, it doesn't matter how unskilled you are, an hour of your life. So like, I don't, like people should go in there and tell the boss man how much they think they should earn. They've, they have indoctrinated us for years and years with don't talk about salary because they don't want everybody, you know, they don't want everybody figuring it out. But like everybody should absolutely do that. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. But I'm just, again, I'm lucky I never had to deal with that. So I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably just be like, okay, I'll take it. Give me the broom. I mean, you know, my very first job where I was like a, you know, like it was like a consulting job. I was in, um, you know, doing... Um, financial forensic auditing. Jesus and, Christ. Um, yeah, it was like one of the, you know, and it was... It was All three a, of them words was wild to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was like a career track job. Like people would, you know, there were people around me who would kill for the job that I was like begrudgingly doing because yeah. that's not what I want to do with my life. But I, you know, I took... I, they were sort of like, what are you asking for? And I was like, um, like whatever. Like I totally didn't you know, fight for myself in any way. I mean, I was like 22 and what did I know? Um, But, you know, I found out later that uh, I was um, 
as a result, but also just because I'm a lady, was given um, exactly $5,000 less than the male counterparts that mm. came in. And we were we were all sort of, they all sort of got one amount, and then I just got the five, that minus 5,000 amount. That's so crazy. And, it, and, it's, and it's really horrible. And I, you know, even now... Um, the weird thing that happens and that they talk about, you you know, women will ask other women, hey, I've been asked, what is my what are my salary requirements? Because you're you're not actually banned from asking people about their pay history in 16 states, including Massachusetts, New York and California. Um, and I so wonder why. You, you're yeah. Right. So you can ask about pay history. You can ask about salary requirements. Um, and so women will ask other women about like, oh, what number should I target with salary requirements? So the funny thing about doing that, it's great. You need a community of support and, and people to like help you figure out these things. So you reach out to them. That totally makes sense. But guess what? If you're reaching out to women, they are also being underpaid for jobs. So then sure. it, you end up getting a number that's generally lower than what the company is willing to pay if you're a man. So we're sort of accidentally perpetuating women getting paid less money. Um also, this goes so, under yeah. the assumption that someone isn't desperate enough to like. There's a lot of people who they can't just go in in this economy or in how things are. They can't just go in and be like, "This is my number, and I'm not taking anything but this." You know what I'm saying? Like, it's right, right. There's, a, I think if you can, you should. But there's some people, unfortunately, and that's how the system keeps thriving is that they know they can they've got you under their thumb in this current society when like every household needs two maybe three jobs between everybody they can yeah. just be like well look this is what we're paying so uh do you want to get kicked out of your house next week or not right and and you know so one of the common pieces of advice is, is to turn around and say to the recruiter or the person you're interviewing with, like, what is the range that they're offering? Um, and employers are sort of required to tell you in some states, uh, you know, look up your state's laws on whether or not they're required. Um, and um, and then the other area of a growing gap between men and women is is around equity, which is not, which is something I hadn't thought about at all. Uh, but apparently, you know, at, you know, getting stock options and stuff like that is a big part of the payout in some of these jobs um, when we're talking about the tech sector. And um, a recent Wall Street Journal poll found that 24% of male employees had a company stock compared with only 17% of women. So women may be like at some level fighting for salary, but then they're not fighting for equity. Um, and equity could even be a much bigger deal depending on what happens with the company, uh, which it it was just good. I mean, look, again, I'm not up for these kinds of jobs, and I don't think that the, the two of you are either. But uh, but these are some of the things I wouldn't have even thought of. Like, oh, yeah, equity. I forgot mm -hmm. about that. No, I wouldn't have thought of none of this shit at all, which is why I've never been up for any of them jobs, for the record. That's, a ch that's not a chicken or egg thing. I mean, I the, 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 the bottom line is that I think a fast rule is to know that any company that you're going to work for is interested in themselves. And they're mm -hmm. going to tell you in every job interview how attracted they are to you and how much how excited they are at what you can bring to the company. But at the end of the day, they do not give a fuck about you and your life and your existence and your needs. Mm -hmm. They are not interested in your needs. They are interested in what you can do to serve their needs. And so we as individuals and as small collectives need to know like, yo, that's the case and not be afraid um, to, to rally and act and, and you know, and, and to activate others around you to be like, yo, we're not going to take this. And here's why. Um, and it's a, it's obviously a hard fight, but like, that's just the, that's the bottom line in any job, including the business that, that we're in. Right. Because even in the business we're in, I mean, it's, you've probably heard of gigs where you're, you got paid something and you found out that someone who's like in your vicinity of career <laughs> got paid a lot more or a lot <laughs> less. Right? So and many it's times. Like wild almost fluctuations. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost all the time. Totally. And, and I'm lucky, like I'm me, me personally, I'm lucky in the, where I'm at in my career that somebody it's, there's been several times. Some people come along with a, a, an offer for something and they throw me the number that like 
even two years ago, Corey would have been like, not even thought about it, just be like, yep. And now I can look at it and be like, that is not at all worth my time. You know, right, it's kind of, right. it's honestly a little insulting to tell mm. you the truth. But that's my point is that two years ago, Corey wouldn't have, well, not two, but six years ago, Corey would not have even, I couldn't have thought that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would have had to have taken that shit. But yeah, no, for, for sure. That's, is that when you were telling the snow day, the snow day joke? Yeah, yeah, around that time, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, my friend. Thank you. It's true that, like, there's some, you know, I feel like I've had the same trajectory, Corey, where it's like I used to just be like, oh, that's great, you know, and and now, like, I have, um, I work with people that'll look at a number and then they'll be like, this is wrong, we're asking for this, and I just have like a heart attack because I'm like, wow, they're never, I'm going to get arrested because you guys are even suggesting that I should get paid that other number. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, um, and I hate to say this, it's it's, uh, oftentimes men that are doing this negotiation on my behalf. Uh, they're like right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every number I've ever thought of is too low. Mm, and that's yeah. my 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 um just piece of advice to all women out there who are negotiating anything having to do with money. It's more than likely the case that any number you're thinking of is too low. Like that's probably just it. So yeah. rethink that number. Amen. And I have all women who are negotiating for me. Uh, do you, really? Yes. Great. Then they're bad. Um, half and half. It's a good balance. Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. All right. That is the end of the show. What a fantastic panel. I knew it would be. I knew in my heart it would be, and I was right. Uh, what I would really love is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to find you and all of the wonderful works that you do. Salema, where do they do that? Uh, they can find me on, on the IG at Salema, S E L E. M-A, uh, as well as my podcast, which is coming back, the What Shapes Us podcast, at What Shapes Us podcast. I also make music. I go by Alakazam, which is my last name, Masakella, backwards, uh, Alakazam. Oh, my God. That's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> no Thank one you. has that. I mean, that no is a stroke of luck if I've ever heard. And also, remind them the name of your book. Oh, my book is called Afrosurf. Um, it's available uh, in many of your fine local bookstores. And if you want to help get Jeff Bezos get to space again, um, you can also get it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corey, uh, where do people find you? I am at Corey R. Forrester on pretty much all uh, social medias, and uh, you can find all of my things at CoreyRyanForrester.com. But if you just want to subscribe to my new newsletter, it's CoreyWritesForYou.com. And it's my favorite thing. And uh, I, there's, it's not just like a, uh, hey, here's what I'm doing in my life newsletter. I do you know, weekly essays. Uh, I do a series called This Week in Southern History where I break down a uh, subject of something that happened this week in Southern history and do a whole story mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of fun. It's my favorite thing. And uh, if you uh, subscribe, you would tickle me to death. I'm going to tickle you right after we get off this call and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) You feel something on your side. That's just me. (laughs) Folks, um, you know where to find me and all the things that I do. Next week, I'm going to be on Weiwei. Don't tell me, so tune into that. And then, um, uh, and I've been been tagged recently in a lot of, like, cosplay photos um, because of my turn uh, in Bird Girl. So I feel, I I don't know what's happening out there with the influx of uh, fan art and cosplay but I feel the need to mention in case I haven't that Bird Girl is now available on HBO Max um, as is much of the Adult Swim catalog so uh, head to, head over to HBO Max to see uh, Bird Girl and uh, see what I look like as a green person um, okay folks that's the end of the show what I would really like to do is thank all of the wonderful people that make our show possible um, that's our producer Danielle Jones Wesley so amazing also gives us such great stories to look at um the sound engineer stephanie aguilar just at the head of her game stephanie is our theme music was written by the inimitable gobby alter uh and as always please rate and review the show because um apple podcast uh, reviews help people really find the show and i'm going to go back to actually reading those reviews and i keep 
forgetting to do it because I'm just a person, you know? <laughs> Email us at fakethenation at headgum.com if you have any ideas for the show, panelists, uh, topics. Again, join the Patreon for bonus content. That's at patreon.com slash Farsad. And otherwise, we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.